0: Driving. Driving. No you're listening. You're listening.
1: You're listening to Radio Free Radio, Free, Radio Free Urbanism. Hello, and welcome back to Radio Free Urbanism. We thank you very delightfully for joining us today. Exquisitely, uh, today we've got some great stuff happening on the show. We have some exciting projects, some exciting news. And uh, some exciting things happening with the show, too. Uh, But of course, before we get into that, I should introduce myself and my co-host. I'm Alex Williams. And with me, I've got Nick Laporte. Hello. And Ethan Myers. Welcome back, folks. All right. So as long as everybody feels welcome, Nick, I'll let you uh, take it away with some interesting news. Yeah. Should we wait? Which one are
0: we going to talk about first? I think the The, first thing we need to talk about. the, The
1: first one, what we're doing. What we're doing,
0: what we're up (laughs) to. First and foremost, the Patreon. If you're watching this, the Patreon is now live. So if you'd like to support us, check it out. There's not a lot there right now, but if you want to throw us a few shekels again, so we can upgrade uh, Ethan's recording equipment or or make sure that it has extra storage space, that we don't run out of that, (laughs) would be great. But uh, I'm sure there'll be more things coming. So stay
1: tuned. It'll be there. We
2: do need. We do need to make a tier that just says Ethan's 10 terabyte hard drive. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, specifically to
1: support Ethan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good stretch yeah. goal. I like yeah, that. Yeah, so <laughs> what are what are our tiers? What do we have going on on there, Nick?
0: All we have right now is three tiers, there's a $1, there's a $5, and it, there's a $10. And that and that's it. If you want to support us, go ahead. We'd, we'd be happy to have it and it'll help make the show better. And uh, that's all that's there right now. But I'm sure we're kind of thinking about different things we want to put on there. I would like to have maybe extended shows, something like that. We have extra stuff didn't really, really fit into the regular show, have shout outs and priority comments or questions on the show, stuff like that. But who knows? We'll see. Benefits yeah. coming yeah, soon. Yeah. And also,
1: yeah, yeah if, if you've got suggestions um, for what we could do, let us know down in the comments. Um, and then uh, what else we're up to? Well, I'll tell you, I drove yesterday for like the first time in six months. So yesterday I had a soccer game at 945, which sucks. When I signed up for this rec league, I didn't realize that there would be games so late. Um, but my brother kindly let me borrow his car for the night. So uh, so that cut down my trip time by like a quarter or by like three quarters. Um, so that was, that was very nice. Um, so that's what I was up to, was driving around. But of course, poor, poor Ethan, poor Ethan stuck down there in Vegas. Uh, what's your uh, transportation so, system?
2: folks, um, I, this is kind of a little wug mug at the start. Um, a little what grinds my gears. So, I might be bailing out of this show just a little bit early. I'm actually meeting up with my sister to go to a comedy show tonight. And, um... I no cars at the house right now, so I'm going to take the bus down there. The problem is is that it runs every 30 minutes and has stops every other block. So, you know, with that amazing stop spacing and basically taking it all the way down to Las Vegas Boulevard, which is kind of like crossing halfway across the valley, you know, I'm basically um, stuck taking a earlier bus that is not very fast. And yeah. I love it. I love American transit. I love <laughs> I love our buses here. It's great every 30 minutes. And I notice some people in American cities, they're like, I would kill for every 30 minutes. I know that mm-hmm. there are people out there who are like, my bus runs every two hours or my bus runs hourly. I would kill for 30 minutes. But 30 minutes or is, it's not there, good.
1: No, there, there are some buses even that are like, oh, we drive into the city in the morning and we drive out of the city in the evening. Basically. <laughs> yeah. We just have three round trips a
2: day. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal. But uh, yeah. So Ethan might have to peace out a little bit early from from this show. But we'll see how that goes. We just wanted to be honest and upfront with our audience. You know, let everybody know what's going on with that. Uh, but on to our news. We've, we've got a few interesting stories today. Uh, who's got this first one? Is this, this a, is mine? Is, yeah, this, this is, is mine. I've got so I've got a few. Maybe we'll skip the next one and you know switch
0: around so that it, we can you know it's not just me talking for the next half an hour. So this is uh it's not necessarily news. It's just something I wanted to bring up. So I was listening to the most recent episode of Bike Talk, which is a great podcast if you're into biking. It's kind of like a new show. They have different people on, but the recent episode was released on February second. It's called Sharing Is Caring, and they've been doing something recently. This woman, who's part of their group, called Stacy Randecker. At the end of the show, she has a, a bike thought, and she kind of, kind of just says stuff that she's feeling. Talks about something that we should be doing, et cetera, et cetera. And this recent one had me thinking about what's the whole purpose of this urbanist community? Because I'm not an urban planner. Most people who are making urbanist content on YouTube aren't urban planners,
2: mm-hmm. right? No.
0: And I, no. And uh, so. She had had these these things she wanted to say, and I'm just going to read some of it here. She says, every city needs a protected and connected network of bike streets. Anyone of any age should be able to bike day or night without planning or an entourage. Paint is not protection. Cyclists cannot kill or injure motorists. Driving is a privilege, not a right. Speed kills and there will never be a bell loud enough, a helmet strong enough or clothing bright enough to make up for poor infrastructure. So these are all points that she put forward as things you've heard before and things you will hear again. And I think that's that's kind of our purpose on here. It's not to be the biggest experts, but it is to regurgitate a lot of points that have been said because a lot of people have never heard them. A lot of people mm-hmm. have never heard them. And mm-hmm. I'm, the, the the segue I'm having here is I went to the first Strong Towns Vancouver meeting last night, which was fantastic. Everybody who came was, was great. I got to meet a lot of cool people. People who came up to me and recognized me from my YouTube videos and stuff, which was a So humbling. It was incredible. It was so nice. But there were people there who had just heard of strong towns the day before Mm -hmm. and they showed up because they were curious about it, which is so cool. But I think it's really important that we just keep hammering out the basic points because so many people just do not know it. They've never heard it before. And that's what we're trying to do. I think at least that's what I want to do.
2: Yeah. No, urbanism is, is absolutely something that is still very much on like the fringe but yet it is something that impacts everybody's life every single day that you are living. Like, there, everybody is impacted by how their city is planned and designed. Mm-hmm. And I think that more voices in this should be heard. The thing is mm-hmm. that most people don't know. Most people don't know that, you know, you can have a city that doesn't have, you know, everything based around cars.
1: Yeah. 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 Like, Never. these are choices. Uh, something, something you said, Nick, um, about about people only just finding out yesterday about you know strong towns and just just learning about these things um that's why everybody everybody needs to talk about this that's why it needs to be repeated and that's why you need to go out into the real world in your real life and have those conversations with people and if you're worried about you know what qualifies you to do this you're a person you use these modes of transportation you walk places you bike places you drive places you take the bus places that qualifies you you're talking about most of the urbanist creators in the content space aren't city planners we aren't engineers we're not like we're not qualified to talk about these things right because we, don't have the, because we don't have the specific expertise about how to build these things or how to do these things, but we know how it is to experience these things. Mm-hmm. We know how it is to see these things, to walk in these places, or to n- not be able to walk in these places. And so I think that's what qualifies you. And that's why it's so important that every single person goes out, don't just comment on this YouTube video, Go out and talk to people in the real world. I've got a video upcoming where I kind of dive more into that more into that topic um, because I think that is probably the most important thing because there is this great online urbanist community, but it needs to be a real world thing if you actually want if you actually want to live in these places instead of just talking about them and looking at pretty b-roll on on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. totally yeah, yeah.
2: um. I think one thing people should not forget is that Jane Jacobs, one of the greatest urbanists, pretty much the grandmother of urbanism, the modern urbanists, is kind of – she wasn't – she didn't really have experience with city planning or anything like that. Mm -hmm. She was just a concerned citizen really. Like She had no professional city planning or engineering background. She was just a full-on citizen, like literally. Like she had journalism experience – But she wasn't, like, you know, researched in city planning or anything like that. She learned about it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think an important point, too, is gatekeeping in a lot of places gets gets really annoying. But I definitely think this is a place where it shouldn't happen because the people who are going to City Hall on a Tuesday morning who are opposing the things that you want to happen in your city, do you think they're qualified? They're the same. They're just people who are talking about their experience and the way they want their city shaped. And you have to talk about Mm – that with them openly so they you know maybe they'll they'll understand where you're coming from by the end of it so yeah who who yeah. who is actually qualified it's the people who are working for the city a lot of the time and they don't actually get a say in how things are made which is they can't really, really cl-
2: say anything either exactly. because they're hamstrung by their by their yeah. constituents yeah
0: I actually yeah. it's funny i i was talked to my friend who who works for the city of vancouver and i asked him about getting a job there and then i i, I thought about it i was like well does this you know restrict you from saying things in city hall, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, well, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I can't do that because I don't want to (laughs) be muzzled in that way. So
2: yeah. Which is a little ridiculous, but it is kind of, it's kind of on the- From a professional standpoint,
1: though, I can understand it, right? Totally. Like they're, they're out there, they're supposed to be giving their professional opinion, um and so they you know they answer questions of council and and of the citizens to say like hey this is what we're looking at these are the things we're considering this is why we might consider this this is why you might worry about this um and and yeah like i i basically said the same thing as you nick to a a city planner i was talking to at an engagement event he was he was like oh why don't you consider going into city planning i'm like because then i can't just like say whatever i want right like I like making the videos and I like talking about these subjects. And I feel like if I was working for the city, I'd have to, I'd have to be a little bit more cautious instead of just being like, this is what I think, this is what I think we should do. And this is, this is what I think would be cool. Right. Totally. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I appreciate you sharing that and bring that up. And yeah, it's going to be said again and again and, and repeated Um, kind of leading into our next story here. Uh, talking about Stephen avenue streetscape improvements um, this is an exciting one and this is actually one where i had some experience sharing sharing with somebody uh, because part of the streetscape improvements um, involves raised crosswalks and so i was explaining to some some people about raised crosswalks and they scoffed at the idea they said why would you do that and i said well for pedestrian safety, it's for continuity of of a walkable street, right? Stephen Avenue in Calgary is already a walkable street. I'll share my screen so that uh people can uh can see what I'm talking about here. Let me just pull up some some pretty B-roll to look at because we love that. Um yeah, so this is like this this is an important walkable street in Calgary. And uh, a lot of people come down here. Don't worry, I will, I will share it.
2: We're just um, patiently waiting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll keep,
1: keep keep, waiting. Um, where is this one here? There we go. We'll share that. So this is Stephen Avenue. You can see nice walkable streetscape there. Um, but yeah, there are some improvements coming here. And, uh, and I got to educate somebody on why you might want... Um, might want to have a uh, a a walkable street like this and some raised crosswalks to go with it. And yeah, they scoffed at the idea. And I was like, excuse me, excuse me. And they said, well, what's the benefit of that? And I said, well, you've got like, you have um, pedestrian safety for one. And, and they also scoffed at the idea of pedestrian safety, which I thought was very strange and actually pretty upsetting. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so that's Stephen Avenue as it is right now, and I'm going to go back in time a little bit here and show you guys uh, Stephen Avenue as it once was. If I'm if I'm able to uh, to find this here, so let's share this again. So Stephen Avenue as it once was. So streets change over time. This is Stephen Avenue in 1911 um way way back when i found this picture at heritage park a museum here in calgary um so you can see like it's obviously a different place it's new it's different of course you can see the the streetcar tracks down there um but let me show you guys what uh what they're changing so right now stephen avenue is about five blocks but they are kind of extending this to Uh, be like 11 blocks so they're actually taking it now all the way from city hall all the way to the armory here and uh, so right now we saw the walkable part of Stephen avenue let me show you the part that uh that they're gonna this won't be like pedestrian only um but it will be It will be redone to be like a beautiful streetscape. So they're going to actually have raised bike lanes here. And uh, as you go down, they're going to take out some of the parking. It's going to be a much more pleasant place. They're going to add more trees and they're going to add some areas into being more, um, more focused on housing. So you'll see this is more residential, commercial retail, and then this is arts and culture stuff. So there's some exciting stuff happening um, over there. Do you guys have any any questions about this exciting happening going on in Calgary? I'm just so wondering, what? sorry.
2: No, 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 <laughs> you go first, Nick.
0: <laughs> so when was it actually started? Like when was the, the this
1: made this car free? When, when did that happen? That is a great question. And I have no idea. Uh, let me see if a, a quick Google search can make me feel wise. One um, <laughs> was Stephen avenue pedestrianized
2: my guess um guess is in the chat guess which year steven avenue was pedestrianized. Yeah, yeah. so we can figure it out <laughs> i'm gonna say so, 1973 1973
1: you say okay it looks um
0: we'll get there we'll get there yeah we'll, get, <laughs> well maybe i, I mean
1: we might, we might not we might not get there Um, Oh, it looks like actually 1970. It it looks like I'm looking at uh, the history of Stephen Mm -hmm. Avenue on heritagecalgary.ca. So it was in that
2: 70s pedestrian mall era.
1: I guess so. Um, It was a good guess. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. So by the late 60s, main shopping districts began to experience declines in retail sales. Uh, Something, something, something early 80s something so also i mean this is so stephen avenue is also right by olympic plaza in calgary and calgary hosted the 1988 olympics so i'm assuming it was like at least before that time um and it's right across city hall great place to hang out and spend time and i'm really really excited to see what they're doing with this project um i think it's gonna make it an even greater space to to spend time
0: that's fantastic that is That's, that's
1: really cool and just slightly on that subject, um,
0: here in Vancouver, there's they're proposing some pilots for some car-free streets, but we'll talk more about that in the future.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think so. With this project, like it's not going to be entirely car-free. So I'll uh, I'll show you back to back to this PDF that I've got here. This so um, some traffic
2: calmed streets.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're going to have a lot of traffic calming. So you see here. Uh, this in this arts and culture area. So this is this is about half of the project. This is already pedestrianized. This is already fully pedestrianized. You have a few landmarks here. You've got the Calgary Tower there, which at one point was the tallest building. Uh, the municipal building is here. City Hall is right beside it. There, you can see the train line going right down Seventh Avenue. So just mm-hmm. to the north of Stephen Ave. Um, And then, uh, these are the CP rail tracks or CPKC now, I guess, uh, rail tracks. And, uh, yeah, so this is all pedestrianized here. And then this is kind of a transition zone. And then this will be like a traffic calmed, uh, street. There'll still be space for patios. It'll be multimodal, uh, wide sidewalks, nice bike lanes and, uh, and narrow car lanes is, is pretty much what that section is going to look like. Any parking? Um, Uh, There will be a tiny bit of on-street parking. They actually have. So they've got. This document is fantastic. We'll put a link in the show notes for this. But uh, they will have some parking. And you can see they'll have the bulbs here. So that uh, people can't park too close to the crosswalks. And uh, where is. uh, They've got a spot that shows kind of what their, their parking plan is for for the area i love looking through documents like this it just like <laughs> it just warms my heart seeing renders of this stuff oh yeah uh, like, it makes me feel like there's hope on the horizon Good render,
2: not bad render
1: yeah 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 <laughs> um there will be parking there i mean and there are parkades along here as well like people will be able to park here but somewhere somewhere in this document they've got like a whole layout of how they prioritize what vehicles have access and basically, it's, like, emergency vehicles, buses, uh, then uh, delivery, then taxi, then food delivery, then uh, then private automobiles. Like, it, they have a list in here somewhere that shows um, who is prioritized for parking on the street, for, like, using the street space as a vehicle. Um, but then, yeah, they also have... Um, a bunch of lighting and design stuff. Anyways, I can't find it. But somewhere in here, they have the list of what gets what gets prioritized. So, um, there will be parking, but most of it will be like underground parking. So, which, you know what? This is my philosophy on parking. If you need parking, you should need it enough to be willing to pay for a parkade. Absolutely. That's how I feel. Yeah. You know, totally. Surface parking, mm-hmm. anything other than, you know, minimal street parking, dump it. Yeah. We don't need we don't need big parking lots cluttering up our cities. Oh god no.
2: At at most for surface parking, you do street parking that can serve that can work as well um for, you know, protecting bike lanes and pedestrians. Yeah. Cuz you can design parking to actually work as basically a barrier. To protect bike lanes.
0: It totally yeah. helps, too. It slows traffic mm-hmm. as well. You'll see yeah. a lot of oh, bike streets while parking on both sides. There's only room for one car in the middle, and it, it really does slow traffic. So it, oh, it has yeah. some benefits.
1: Yeah. I actually
2: saw that a lot in Seattle. They're really going hard on the uh, street on the uh, traffic calming there. It's it's The Pacific Northwest has been really exciting as well, too, just seeing the street redesigns up there, at least in Seattle and Portland when I was there. I'll have to get to Vancouver and see Nick.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Get a real bike tour. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's an exciting project. I thought I'd share with you guys. Um, If there are no other questions, comments, or concerns, we can boogie on to the next story, uh, which is, I think, globally exciting. I've heard a lot about this one in the past few days.
0: Yeah. This is the beginning. This is the (laughs) beginning. So, this is coming from Paris. So, Paris has voted to triple SUV parking the cost for SUVs. And that's, that's the headline. That's not necessarily it. So that's including heavier electric ones and hybrids. And that happened on Sunday. The, the city held a referendum and they voted 56.6% in favor of increasing parking fees for SUVs and heavy sedans. So that's, it's, there's a weight limit that they have that they actually enforce this. And this is not for people who live in Paris. So hmm. this is for people coming into Paris in the metro area. So they suspect that this will be applicable to about 10 percent of vehicles coming into the city, that they basically tripled the cost of parking in the city, which is which is fantastic. This is one force we need to help people choose better vehicles because people are yeah. just choosing way too big of cars.
2: Yeah. I mean, Paris, the city itself doesn't take up a whole lot of room like the municipal boundaries isn't huge, but the metro yeah. area is actually decently large. So I'm assuming that they're really, really going after the SUV commuter into the city, which, I mean, to me, doesn't sound like there's a whole ton in Paris. But if they say, you know, 10 percent of drivers are driving these things in here, then, you know, that's pretty significant. You know, that's always a start because, oh, my God, I hate SUVs, Mm -hmm. like oversized ones, (laughs) like G-Wagons.
1: Oh, God. I
2: almost think they're worse than lifted pickups.
1: Honestly. Yeah. 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 I'm going to play Devil's Advocate here a little bit, all and, right. uh all and, right. and say, uh, first of all, how much is the WF funding you? Um, but second <laughs> of all, uh this I, I this will never work in North America. like to somebody who says to you, "This will never work in North America because we have to drive everywhere what, like what what do we say to that? I say, we
0: haven't even begun to have fair pricing for parking in mm-hmm. the first place. We don't even have market pricing for for parking. Like I can go walking a few blocks from my my place and literally point to you and say, "What the fuck is going on here? You have you have street parking that costs like a less than a dollar an hour next to spots where there's just literally there's no you don't have to pay. It's free parking on the street. We're talking like right across over the river from from downtown Vancouver. This is still considered like downtown. What's going on? So to, to to say that this couldn't work, I think, is a, is a stretch. And I would definitely see a more progressive council make this decision in the near future in North America. If I would bet a lot of money that in the next five years, this will be a law in a city in North America.
2: I think hmm. I saw something. It was I think it was the city of D.C. that actually proposed something similar to charging like a higher fee. It wasn't for parking, but it was for SUVs driving in the city had like a higher toll than just standard vehicles i may have to look into that again but it was it was something kind of similar maybe not as extreme but i mean yeah if we want to encourage people to actually choose alternatives to driving or when they drive to choose to drive a smarter vehicle that isn't you know massively oversized and is a threat to basically everybody who's not inside of it then it would be extremely encouraging to encourage these people financially to move away from that and you know these vehicles are already expensive enough. Realistically, if you're driving such a big thing and taking up so much space in the city just for yourself, then I mean, realistically, you should be paying a bigger share.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're a bigger wear on resources, right? Like those roads mm-hmm. have to be paved um, by by somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I think that's, that's part of the deal. Nick made a great video about this, about cyclists, uh, should we tax cyclists? Uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, I think it kind of captures that idea perfectly that, that the bigger your vehicle, the more subsidized you are by everybody else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I I don't think we're going to go deep into parking and pricing and stuff. If you are interested and you haven't heard about this, but there's some great books, Donald Shoup's book, the high cost free parking, fantastic, but it really gets in the weeds. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a tome, it's a Bible. Um, but if you're a nerd for that stuff, very good. But I would highly recommend Pave Paradise by Henry Grabar, How Parking Rules the World. It is, it's just an enjoyable read, at least in my opinion, it was really enjoyable. He references Donald Shoup a lot too. So you kind of get an idea of what Donald Shoup's about as well. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get into that, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, so the actual weight limit for this is two metric tons which is about 4,409 pounds, but just for, hmm. for reference. So yeah, so that's like, I think even uh, like a Tesla Model S or Model X would be considered above that threshold. So just like an electric.
2: Yeah, that's like 70% of cars in the US.
0: Yeah, like there's, but they're all over the place.
2: Here's my great analogy on this too, is that in terms of like free parking and stuff like that, here's my great analogy for Americans. Say you go into McDonald's and you have a large fry versus a small fry. You're not going to pay more – you're not going to pay the same amount of money to get the large fry as you would the small fry because you're realistically taking up more space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're realistically getting more. Yeah. Meaning you're going to pay more in order to get the services that you're using because you're mm-hmm. re- taking more.
0: Yeah. And I think we talked, yeah. yeah, this is definitely like, I think this is like straight out of Donald Trump's book. He's like, if yeah. you go to uh, a restaurant, like you said, and you get a burger and it comes with fries, no matter if you want them or not, that's what free parking essentially is. Yeah. Even if you use it or not, it's there and you're paying for it. If I go walk to the store, I'm paying for that underground parking that's underneath the store. That's free for people who want to drive there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's, that's my point to what Alex's uh, devil devil's ad, advocate was, is that this isn't a penalty. It's not saying, "Hey, this is an impedance for you to drive." This is a penalty for drivers. Drivers aren't even paying their quote-unquote fair share if we want to talk about it that way in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's it's saying, "Hey, let's shore up some of what you're you're not paying for and the imposition you're putting on everybody else." Yeah, it's yeah. just
2: removing a subsidy.
1: Yeah. yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And I I will say I think in North America we have um I, part of our problem here is that in order to get around efficiently, you have to own a car, right um, and and so I think part of our problem as well is that we really need to just start um, just start building for people who don't own cars or building so that people don't have to own cars if they if they don't want to. That means more transit oriented development. That means looking at parking lots with big, googly eyes and being like wow we could redevelop that into something beautiful couldn't we you know reclaim that space and may and make it something wonderful make it somewhere that people want to be nobody wants to be in a parking lot nobody wants parking lots people want to be able to get where they're going and uh, and I, I think that's how we need to start looking looking at this stuff
2: actually alex i think i need 400 lanes of automotive freedom and then a 400 square mile parking lot how do you feel about that one <laughs>
1: Well, I think you live in a desert that is mostly nothing. So, uh It's actually
2: so, mostly parking lot and highways, so uh and so single-family homes. So keep just keep paving. So just pure freedom. Yeah, we'll just pave over the mountains, pave over yeah. everything. Yeah.
1: Pure yeah.
2: automotive freedom.
1: Yeah, I lo- you know what? I I'll I'll support that. I'll come visit you in Vegas and then feel good about going home. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> it's a oh, lot. Oh, Perfect. Well, uh, I think those are some some good stories. I think we're making some good progress here. Uh, We're going to get on to the listener mail segment, which this week was very busy. Uh, We had two people and their uh, and their emails to us by saying sorry for the essay. Um, So uh, we're going to tackle those. But first, we've got a a comment that Ethan is is going to address here. Ethan's going to kick us off with the listener mail.
2: Yeah, we got a pretty short comment from uh, Screaming Speck of Dust who commented, "It was on our first video when we were talking about Brightline. They said Orlando in here. I've had some pretty good experiences with Brightline so far. Hoping it gets extended over to Tampa soon and more stops along the way. They proposed a stop where some of my family members live, but for whatever reason, the city rejected it at the time. Widely regarded around town as the bad as a bad move. Love the podcast." So, um, yeah, it's it's really exciting to see Orlando actually get some, you know, frequent, rap- or frequent regional rail between, you know, different cities. And, uh, yeah, I think Brightline is planning on both doing infill stations and eventually extending down to Tampa. Um, they're planning to use the I-4 median for that, so it'll be running between a highway. But I hmm. don't think there's anything that looks better for transit when you see a train going 110, 120 miles an hour down the middle of a median, Mm -hmm. and you get immediately gapped by it no matter what car you're riding in. It's just, it's overall good. And I mean, or Brightline has had some, they have a huge gap in stations at the moment um, between Orlando and Southern Florida, but they do have plans to also build in some infill stations, but that'll be exciting to see too. So that way more of Central Florida can get stations, but... Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about the Tampa extension too. That'll be really nice for people who live there.
1: Yeah, and screaming spec, screaming speck of dust. Which I love your username, <laughs> by the way. Um, they said they said that their the town where their family lives rejected the uh, proposed station. Um, which I mean s- sucks. That's really that's that's really sad. That's but brutal. hopefully, hopefully they see like. The you know the the progress that's being made and kind of decide they do want to hitch their uh, hitch their wagon um, uh, to this train. I've definitely <laughs> I got some critiques of Brightline, but overall yeah. it's
2: been a very positive thing for rail, especially in Florida.
1: Yeah, well, and you're you talking about the visibility too. This is one reason why I I love trams and stuff. Why I think you know when people talk about um oh we should just have underground trains and stuff i'm like there's a huge benefit to people seeing the train to people you know being like oh that is in my city that is something i can use um, yeah i i think there are a lot of benefits to overground rail actually and
2: accessibility too
1: and accessibility yeah yeah so uh yeah that's that's fantastic nick do you have anything to to add just to mirror what what Ethan said is like when you see a train flying down the middle <laughs> of
0: a highway, it really puts things in perspective. And I think we need more of that. You're just yeah. like,
2: oh, maybe I should take the train next yeah, time.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's a good thing here because, you know, you always hear the the horror stories about. The metro in different places, especially New York, it's, it's been notorious for, for the crime. And it's the literal underbelly of the city. So to mm-hmm. see overground rail, light rail, or heavy rail even, like here in Vancouver with our SkyTrain, it's really interesting to see when you see the SkyTrain going along faster than the car traffic below it. It's It puts things
1: into perspective, and that's really
2: Inside cool. Inside your mind, you have two elevated trains. One is Chicago. <laughs> one is Vancouver.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The one that wins is the one that f- – you feed or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and I'm sure we're, we're going to talk about that more in the future. I have a lot, a lot more thoughts on trains as I, I'm sure my, my friends do here as well. Uh, but we're going to hop onto one of, one of our long emails. Uh, this is from our favorite OG listener, Walter. Uh, and, uh, and he sent us a long email that I'm going to piece out into into a few different uh episodes we'll we'll kind of be tackling some of the topics he suggested as we go throughout throughout the podcast Uh, but i did want to talk about this one today and so i'm going to read this out for everybody i'd love to hear your thoughts on urbanism in rural rural small tourist towns and how they can do better as much as i would like we probably won't be getting high-speed rail to connect towns of three thousand people in the mountains quite yet My case study for this question will be Truckee, California. I recently attended a presentation in my local area from some Truckee city representatives who were discussing their transit and bike infrastructure projects and improvements. They recently implemented an on-demand transit program that in less than two years increased ridership from 30,000 people a year to over 125,000 people a year. Remember, this is a small town and this is, uh, this is me talking. This is a small town, and um, this is an on-demand transit service doing 125,000 uh, riders per year. He continues, and is projected to grow even more. Truckee also impl- I- implemented a new e-bike rental program too, which I think is another brilliant example for rural areas to be able to implement micromobility. Additionally, they have have been aggressively completing new bike lanes and multi-use paths as well as completing complete street designs. This to me is super awesome and serves as an example to the surrounding rural and historic towns. Truckee has a lot of similar problems to where I live. Historic areas and streets have very limited space so it can be difficult to deal with With as well as dealing with rapid tourist-slash-retirement community development. During this presentation, I also heard how they passed some kind of ordinance that exempted part of the downtown area from traffic requirements related to VMT, which allowed for them to focus a lot more on transit and walkability in some new street designs. This went a bit over my head, but... If you guys could maybe find out more about about that and see if it could be applicable elsewhere, I think it's a fascinating idea. What are all your thoughts on these happenings and if they apply to other small towns? So... What, what are our thoughts on all of that, so, guys? That was already <laughs> massive, but let's get into yeah, it. It's, yeah. um,
2: I, can, I can talk a little bit about Truckee. I've actually been through it. So, um, oh, perfect. Truckee is right off of the main for the California Zephyr. So if hmm. when you're on the last leg or the first leg between San Francisco or Emeryville and Reno, Truckee is one of the mountain towns you run into. So it already has two trains a day in terms of service. But California has proposed the idea of running another regional train through Reno with the possibility of stopping in Truckee, uh, which would be a capital corridor train. So it does have the ability to have inner city rail or four inner inner city rail trains a day. Um, Hmm. In terms of cycling infrastructure in small towns, I used to live in a small city, 13,000 people, not as small as Truckee, but still fairly on the, it's on the smaller side, definitely not one that can really, you know, get a transit network going up, but cycling infrastructure is huge in order to reduce car trips in small towns like that. If you have, you know, your inner city rail, and then you have a bunch of, you know, good dedicated bike infrastructure with both, you know, bike share, bike bike rentals, and just, you know, citizens owning bikes, you can deal a lot of trips over to cycling rather than, you know, driving a car. The one thing I will say about Truckee, California, is that this is one of the snowiest towns in the country. They get an insane amount of snow. If you look up the Sierra Nevadas, this is like, like they get like insane, like multiple feet a year of snow. Like they make a lot of other cities look here. let Let me just pull it up for you.
1: It's 206.6 inches of snow annually in Truckee, California. Yeah,
2: so it's it's not it's not a small amount. That's that's a lot of snow that's falling on the ground. Now, granted that's not an excuse to not build bike infrastructure. It's just it's another pressure on, you know, infrastructure there and it's just, you know, kind of an interesting little, you know, thing that you'd have to deal with. Granted they already do that with, you know, car infrastructure out there to some degree. But yeah, I mean, and then the last point of on-demand transit definitely seems to work a bit better in these smaller cities. Hmm. I'd say it's probably, it's very much an interesting thought when it comes to big cities, because I don't really think on de- transit on demand works too well in them, but hmm. in a smaller city like Truckee, a subsidized transit on demand could definitely be a lot more effective since you also don't have, you know, the crazy amount of, you know, of room that you have compared to these bigger cities that, you know, try to implement transit on demand. So I think it is a good strategy for smaller cities to, you know, go the micro mobility and transit on demand with inner city rail routes or inner city bus routes connecting them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it depends on how it's always about how it's built in the first place. Like the built environment can dictate what kind of transit you're going to have. Like you can have a massive city, that is really bad transit because it's just a huge giant sprawling city and it's just way too expensive to service all these people. You know, yeah. we look at the olden days how we traditionally built cities, often it was just one strip or two strips across section, right? And you would just have a rail line going right down and anybody could take transit because that's what the option was. You get a horse, you get on the the, the train or you can bike you can take a bike if it's, you know, the late 1800s. So I don't think there's necessarily anything stopping rural communities from from you know uptaking transit but it's it, again it's always down to how it's built so that's I guess the problem is we've built out these giant sprawling small cities where again it's just not feasible for for reliable transit but like Ethan said on demand is, is the way to go and I'm always here for micro mobility and I think you can do the vast majority of trips can be made with micro mobility for most people like 90 plus yeah. percent of people can easily get something that they can ride that'll get them to almost everywhere they need to go maybe not your commute and then a few other trips you have to make once in a while but other than that you should be able to get everything within uh,
1: you know five miles especially if it's e-bikes and stuff right yeah yeah Mm
2: -hmm. i will say though that there is one thing that i'm noticing is that it appears that Truckee is getting a lot of like that awful suburban sprawl and it's very Hmm. um and I know that this is all wealthy money because you can see that a lot of these neighborhoods are basically built entirely around golf courses. Mm. We're talking about like Truckee proper, very much still has that old rail town urbanism, but there are there is a lot of sprawl that's starting to pop up that can be uh, pretty concerning when it comes to any sort of transit accessibility. I mean, you could you could work with micro mobility in that, but it's going to be really hard to get you know traditional transit there. And even transit on demand is going to struggle slightly when it comes to dealing with, you know, the horrible suburban design of North America and what we've mm-hmm. kind of invested in.
0: It's just really sad. Like, I'm just looking at street views of of the area, like near the golf courses south of Truckee. And it's really sad because they have these beautiful homes, like a lot of wood uh, siding and stuff like that. But it's just so many cars parked on the street. <laughs> like, it's crazy. It's wild.
2: Oh, this is this is an absolutely beautiful area. Uh, yeah, it's gorgeous. F- between California and Nevada, around the Tahoe region. Yeah. But yeah, the problem that kills it is absolutely, you know, car dependent infrastructure and everything like that. You'll like, it's, it, I just find it so insane how these areas have just full on eaten in the goop of, you know, car dependent infrastructure and nothing else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is upsetting. Um, but I I like to think that they're. That there is um, that there is hope. what to do in like a tourist town is a lot different than what you would do in like a small town on the prairies and we've talked about that before um, but I think a lot of the principles like talked about by strong towns uh, I think those th- those apply to, to any city um, and uh, but then what kind of transit you're going to do in your city uh, that that'll depend. That'll depend on your, your unique situation. I lived in a small town, uh, 20,000 people, so not like tiny. Um, but there, there were a couple shuttles um, that kind of did one specific loop, and then they would go to specific destinations. Um, so there are, different, there are different transit systems that you can set up. But of course, in the ideal situation, everything is walking distance, and that walking distance is sped up by having a bicycle. That's I that's I mean really the ideal situation. I think most small towns um, could probably run on those principles. So I think it's great that they're doing uh, like a bike share or bike rentals uh, system. I think that's a big thing.
2: Just to play devil's advocate here because I know Alex played it earlier. Hmm. but what if I live, let's say we're talking about a rural town, like a rural farm town, what if I live on a farm that's 10 miles outside of town? How am I going to walk into town every day 10 miles?
1: You won't. You'll have a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, uh, I, I think something that a lot of people miss in the, in the urbanist conversation that Ethan's illustrated here is that like some people need cars and trucks and stuff, right? Like, It's not like I'm sitting here in the city being like, boy, those damn farmers, they should really just... V- bike their crops up or something you know what no come on That's exactly guys Exactly what like, i'm
2: arguing though yeah like,
1: <laughs> what, like it's it's such a straw man to think that oh you expect me in my small town in my on my acreage i live on an acreage you expect me to bike to get my groceries no no like of course not cars are a great tool our problem is that we have way overused them and most people live in cities we have an incredibly urbanized population, especially in Canada. Canada has got an even more urbanized population than the U.S. Most and the people US still is a
2: very urbanized population. And the U.S.
1: still, like, it's like in Canada, most of the population lives in like a handful of cities. And we should be able to access our needs, our amenities on foot or by bike. And of course, we should be able to drive to other places, right? Because not everybody's going to live in the same neighborhood as the big hockey stadium, right? But you might still want to go to those games. So there will be car access always. There will be transit access, or there should be, right? These are the things that we're talking about. We're not talking about forcing farmers to like go back to picking things by hand because we hate that their tractors have four big wheels on them. Come on. This is yeah. how we
2: know Alex is a Canadian because he said the town with the big hockey stadium. Dude, as soon as
1: you said that, I'd like,
2: don't say it. Don't say it. Go Leafs go. I was
0: like, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's something you see all the time. The straw man. Like I see, I don't read like any of the comments on my like shorts anymore. Cause I just can't, <laughs> Oh my God. my Mental health can't take it. But like the, the old, like, Oh, try, try See, I, I'm looking forward to seeing you hauling three tons with that bike, like stuff like that. And you're just like, what? Like, is not what we're doing. Like, this is not what my, it's about.
2: My most recent short that I just made, I was talking about how cities weren't designed for the car. They were bulldozed for it. Yes. And that was inspired off of a really good um other podcast. It was like a Tampa local podcast. And they were talking about urban renewal in Tampa. And. Mm-hmm. I just go down into the comments cuz this isn't like the this isn't like an urbanist targeted post. This is just like a Tampa local post. So it's targeting like the people of Tampa, Florida. And oh my goodness, I couldn't even look in there. I looked in there for like 3 <laughs> seconds and I'm like, I'm done. I'm yeah. done. No, you just I can't I can't do this.
0: Oh my god. It's a nightmare. Yeah. You got yeah. people
2: trying to justify urban renewal and I'm like, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> So yeah,
0: I think the, again, I'm not like an expert with strong towns, but like what Alex said, when you, when it comes to rural communities and small towns, they've got a lot of good answers in there from Chuck Marone and his cohort of people working for strong towns. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, And then micro mobility, always a winner. Totally. Yeah. Micromobility
2: um, is kind of a, it's kind of an answer for everywhere.
1: It, like, it it's really like, like, it's
2: not the only solution. But it's a really, really good tool that is yeah. very versatile.
1: I, yeah, I, I always hear, yeah, it's not the solution, but it's a big part of the solution. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, let's let's move on to our next uh, our next comment, our next listener mail from Matt Montgomery. He says, "Hey Alex, oh my goodness, this one's specifically for me. Wow, <laughs> I know you've mentioned keeping a log of all your travels and personal mode share, etc." What system do you use to record it and what are your motivations for gathering that data? Love the new show from St. John, New Brunswick. So that's kind of exciting to hear from somebody from New Brunswick. Um, what do I do for gathering the data? Well, I basically just keep it in my notes app because I'll be on the bus sitting there and then when I hop off, I look at how long it took me to, to get somewhere Um, and then I, later on, I put it into a spreadsheet so that at the end of the year, I'm going to do some interesting data. I want to look at, um, how long it takes me to get places. And I made a video kind of about that recently, but I want to kind of do like a whole aggregated, like, this is how long I spent riding the bus this year. Uh, and I didn't, one thing, there are a few major gaps in my data, um, like wait times, like how long I spend waiting at a bus stop, especially with transfers. Uh, a lot of that could be figured out, um, if I like go back through, cause I take the same routes most, most days, right? So I can go back through and see what days I spent longer waiting at the bus. Um, but that's, that's pretty much it. And I record a few things that I make sure I record, um, are if, if I get a, a ride from somebody, uh, and I do distinguish between a ride versus carpooling, uh, carpooling. Like if like I live, I live with a couple of my siblings and if they're driving somewhere and I'm going to the same place, I'm going to drive with them. I'm not going to be like, no, 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 let me take the bus. I'll, I'll see you guys there in three days, you know? Um, and so I do note, like if I'm carpooling or if somebody is giving me a ride, right? I also note if it was offered, or if I had to ask for one, if I was like, please help me. I'm so scared of the transit. Please take me somewhere. Um, so I know that kind of stuff as well. And I note costs, how much I'm spending on bus passes, bus tickets. And uh, yeah, at the end of the year, I'm going to do like a full, full look at how much I spent on transportation, how much time I spent on transportation, and kind of a full pros and cons list of my experience as a one-year car free. That's awesome.
2: That's exciting. Yeah. I'm yeah. It's kind of it's kind of sounding like a more detailed version of what WMATA did. So, um, WMATA is uh DC Metro and they basically unleashed like a uh, basically like a version of Spotify wrapped but for transit for all of their riders who use like the app and awesome. the card. And they basically were just like, hey, these were the stations you frequented the most. These were the lines you took the most. These were your most frequent bus lines, you know, all this other data and stuff like that. And I thought that that was really exciting. And just, you know, kind of something that more transit agencies should do to kind of make their to kind of promote their mobile apps and, you know, just promote, you know, people using, you know, like tap to pay, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, well, and it's a shareable thing, too, mm-hmm. right? Like you see how many sh- people share their Spotify wrapped um and and kind of make commentary on it like i promise i i didn't listen to that song that much or i listened to that song because that's my kid's favorite song or whatever right um i think that would be like a really interesting um interesting thing i think that's a that's a great idea i know ethan has to leave in a second so let's jump on to this next comment real quick before ethan's got a boogie out um ethan do you want to read this one
2: yeah, this one's from a friend of the show, Hall's Emporium. We have one of my favorite urbanism discoveries this past year was the concept of third places. Do you do you, any of you have a third place in your neighborhood that you frequent? That's a good question. It is. I like
1: that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, e. e- Ethan, I think Ethan should go first since he's got a...
2: So when I was living in Florida, I lived in a more walkable town. So I actually had multiple coffee shops that I would use as my third place. And they ended up being really, really nice third places. The problem here where I currently live in Vegas is that it has a distinct lack of a third place. Like I have a park near me, but it's really not that enjoyable as a third place place. And I mean, I do also have a coffee shop, too, that I try to frequent fairly, rec- or fairly often, but I mean, it's just kind of out of the way. It is a really nice one, but it kind of functions as my third place at the moment. Yeah, nice.
1: All Nick, right, gentlemen,
2: after that, I'm going to roll out now. You guys finish up a wonderful podcast. Folks, thank you so much for watching from my end, and I appreciate your support. This is not the end of the podcast. This is just me dipping out. Right. Thanks
1: Ethan. Thanks Ethan. See ya. See ya. Oh. He's still here. Where you watching? Oh, there, oh, he didn't oh. say it. He didn't, say, he didn't it. say it. We were waiting for him to say train good. <laughs> we told him we told him at the beginning of the show that before he leaves he has to say train good and then you and I are both waiting yeah, there we're like, like ah, is, is he going to no, say it? Oh, oh, I didn't do he didn't it. say okay, it. That's oh, all right, man. That's okay. You can say it. You can say it today. Okay, I, 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 I will say it. I'll say it at the end of the show. Maybe I'll forget too, though. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, go to, I'll go next. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Um, so my third place, I w- so I was thinking about this because I read this comment earlier this week and I, I've been thinking about it. And I was like, I don't really have like a spot that I spend a lot of time Um, but I would have to say around the bend, that's my favorite restaurant in the whole wide world, fresh pretzel sandwiches, all made in house, sauces, fresh, everything like amazing food. Um, I would have to say that's my third place. I know the names of all the employees there, you know, we chat, we catch up every time I'm in, um, some of them even listen to the podcast. Uh, so I'd probably, I'd probably have to say around the bend is my third place. However, I wish it was closer. I wish it had better pedestrian access and transit access. And then I'd probably be there every single day, like just working from a laptop. Yeah.
0: So I actually saved it, saved around the bend on my maps last week after you mentioned it again, I was like, okay, I gotta save this in case I'm in Calgary. I'll know I have to go there. Yeah. 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 I think uh, probably similar to Ethan, a coffee shop I on and off visit That's really close to me, but also uh, one pub that's really close to me and one that's downtown that my friends and I meet up semi-regularly to do like trivia night, kind of a regular thing we go and do together. But I think the biggest third place for me living here in Vancouver is definitely the beaches. There's Mm. uh, one particular park, which is called volunteer park. It's, uh, it's westwards past Kitsilano and it, it, it's kind of been like a secret park. Cause you, there's several of these parks that are kind of in between the houses along the shoreline. So the giant houses, like the Lululemon guy, his giant, massive mansion in between a lot of those houses, there's like a, a small park and this Ooh. one, it's unassuming there's some trees in it and there's a stairwell that you can't quite see unless you go down and look and it has access to this little beach and it's not busy mm. compared to other ones. So it's a nice one to go to with friends, but they've actually torn it up just this uh, winter and they're redoing it because they're rejuvenating the park and restoring a Creek that used to be there. So they're actually building a Creek and building a bridge over the top of this Creek. That's going to be there that used to be there. So it's a natural water outlet for when it rains and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. So I'm excited because it's going to be beautiful and I'm glad they're, you know, restoring this Creek. I'm also sad because I think it's going to be more on the radar of people and busier. So it's not as much of a secret little spot that we have. But yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely my third place is, is the beach, especially in the, the nice weather. It, it is so nice to go down there, watch the sunset, get on the paddleboard, enjoy the waves. Yeah. It's a nice place to be with friends.
1: That's awesome. I like that. Um I have I have one of the other third place that I want to mention, actually. And this is something I meant to mention at the top of the episode, um, was the Calgary Central Library, the uh, Central Public Library. Calgary's got 20 some libraries in its uh in its public library system and they're all all fantastic but the central public library is really uh one of a kind thing have you seen this thing nick no wait wait okay
0: i think you've shared some pictures of it before i think i've seen it
1: it's like i I may have shared some pictures i'm gonna i'm gonna pull up some b-roll that i have of it um central library let's see uh Seventeen eleven. See, look, guys. It helps to catalog your B roll. You can always <laughs> uh, find find stuff to to share on a podcast. Um, yeah. So this this library is really like a really fantastic, fantastic place, and it's kind of, I would almost say that it is like the third place for the whole city of Calgary, because um, it is, it is just like. It's just beautiful, like really well done, beautiful place. If I can find, I'm trying to find like a good, a good look at it. Um, it's got no, like a lot of a, wood in it, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: it's, yeah. I, I, I think I've definitely seen it. it was probably You probably, probably sure. have.
1: Yeah. Um, Central Library. I'm trying to find it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, here, here we go. Here we go um it's very different than a lot of you know libraries you'd see if you think about yeah it's like yeah it's 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 got like a modern architecture thing going on but they did like a good job on it yeah if if that if that makes sense like it is it is a a beautiful building so i've got it here let me let me show you this oh yeah so this is this is the entrance of the library. Um, so you walk in and, uh, and it's just beautiful, like beautiful wood structure. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just like, look at this nice study area. It's just so quiet in there and pleasant. Um, you can watch trains go by, you can take a look at downtown. Um, and, uh, yeah, like just, just a beautiful, beautiful building. Um, so yeah, I wanted, I wanted to share that because there is an event going on in a week ish there in two weeks ish on, uh, on February 18th on Sunday, you can go down to the public library and Patrick and Jasmine from Oh, the Urbanity and Tom from Shifter will be there. I will I'll not like be it. in town, unfortunately, so I won't be there, but those three will be there. It's, uh, from three to 5 p.m. It's free and uh, it's Sunday, February 18th. So if you are in town, make sure you go out to out to that. They're going to be talking about Calgary and the future here and why you should be optimistic about it. So since we were on that topic of third spaces, I, uh, I thought I would would share that oh, with that's, you all. That's fantastic. And yeah. it's
0: funny, my wife and I were actually talking about the Vancouver library last night. We've Both of us have never actually been in the one that's downtown, the big one. It kind of looks like a, almost like a Roman Coliseum from the outside. Hmm. It's pretty big, but we've never been in it. And I've been to the local ones. I use them once in a while to just get a quiet space and study if I don't want to go to a coffee shop type of thing, or if I need something printed and my printer's not working, which seems to happen way too often. I really need to invest in one of those brother, like laser ones, like finally have to just pull the trigger and do that. but. Yeah, they're, they're great places and and are resources that people forget are there. If like we did, we were at the library last night for Strong Towns Vancouver. We met there. They had booked a space in the basement. We had plenty of room. It was great. It was fantastic. And it's free because it's it's a public resource that can be used. That's why it's a public library. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's a very underrated uh, part of of our cities. And I, I think the, uh, the Calgary Public Library is probably – one of my all-time favorite municipal institutions Uh, because it is free. It's got, they have free meeting spaces. They have um, free study spaces and computers that you can use. There's uh, the Central Public Library. It also has um, even like uh, public washrooms. It has um, uh, like, uh, like feminine hygiene products in there for free, right? It has... Uh, like a stage this is where the event's going to happen on the the 18th like it has these amazing uh, amenities as well as books and with your library card a lot of the time you can get like free courses and stuff too like it really is fantastic and underrated so uh make sure you support your your local libraries
0: yeah yeah that's it for third places i guess
1: yeah that's that's it there are no other places yeah and let us know Um, what your third places are yeah, actually, that would be interesting to email hear. Where, where, where do you hang out? Because a lot of people, like a lot of people hang out at uh, at coffee shops and stuff. But uh, I'd be curious if somebody's got like maybe a park they like to hang out at or or something else. Um, but yeah, do we have anything else to, to talk about? There is one email we have from Ted, but I oh, think yeah, we should right. save
0: it for next week. You okay. know, when Ethan's here, because it's a big email. And I right. think he, Ethan had had some things to say about it as well. So we'll save that yeah, it's about Montreal. Right. So thank you Ted for the email. It's another big one, but we'll save it for
1: next week, and we will yep. definitely get to it. Um, and actually, yep. I will be in Montreal next week. Oh, perfect. Um, so wait, I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not traveling on on that uh, on that day. Could you imagine? Oh no, I'll be on the airplane. Be as bad uh, yeah. As me. So uh... no. Yeah. No. I'm <laughs> just I, cutting I out. <laughs> I, I, I won't be. I will be in Montreal um, next next week for that conversation. So perfect. That could be. That you could, could be you interesting. Go
0: visit the site beforehand. You can take a look around and see what's going on.
1: Actually, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah if anybody uh, and if anybody has any suggestions as to where I should go in Montreal, let me know. I've gotten I've gotten a recommendation for the best poutine place. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna have to wait and see if it is the best poutine, I'm going to be eating poutine all week. I'm going oh, to eat it till I'm sick. You have to. yeah. Oh, and the smoked meat, mm-mm-mm. And smoked meat, I'll be eating smoked meat and poutine yeah, all week long. I, I just want to go
0: ride on the F1 track on my bicycle. Just like a, the, cool. the, the dichotomy is pretty cool there. So that, I mean, the island's pretty cool to go see anyway. So if you wanted to go yeah. see that, that's my recommendation, I suppose. I haven't been there, but that's what I want to do.
1: Yeah, all yeah. right. Well, uh, this has been Grand and Groovy. We'll get to Ted's email next week and maybe I'll have some some insights or maybe I won't, you know? (laughs) We'll, we'll see maybe i'll be like i don't know man i've been eating poutine all week like, uh we'll we'll see Bonjour. yeah maybe who knows maybe ne- maybe by next week i will have learned french completely and i'll do the whole podcast in french we'll see well, ethan um, will just
0: be the one left out unfortunately yeah
1: would you speak french nick oui oui oh Bien yeah si- okay cool We'll do the whole podcast in French next week, and Ethan can be left confused. Anyways, hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode. I hope that Ethan enjoyed listening to the parts that he missed. Uh, because he had to catch a bus. What? Who takes transit anymore? <laughs> Gross. Um, but you know what I will say, driving last night made me realize I don't miss it. Like, mm, I, no. I don't hate driving, but also I'm like, Looking for parking is such a pain. I hate Even driving. when there's plenty of parking, I just hate the like process. I like to just like walk up and walk in. Yeah. I, I, you I, know, so. I,
0: Godspeed. I'm glad it doesn't bother you. I hate driving. I'm so happy that my wife likes it or at least doesn't mind. She'll drive all the time. I'm like, okay, I'll just be a passenger. That's totally perfect. cool. Yeah. yeah. She's <laughs> like,
1: just don't be a backseat driver. I was like, deal. Done. Deal. deal. I can do that. Oh, see, I'm a backseat. I'm a backseat driver. I, I have to work pretty hard to, to respect the driver's autonomy. <sighs> <laughs> There's a lot of tongue biting going on when I'm in the passenger seat. That's fair. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I'll give Ethan's plug here first since he since he's not with us. Um, he will be next week, I promise. Um, but, uh, Ethan, you can find at climate and transit, I think everywhere except for Twitter, right? Is I, I think, think so, his yeah. Twitter is like climate, climate, climate tra- transit or something transit, like that. Yeah. Anyways, you'll find Ethan, uh, he's on YouTube, uh, and huge on Instagram, stuff like that. He's got reels, all that sort of stuff. Nick, where can we find you? I'm uh what am I again? Oh yeah. Just my name. It's Nick Laporte on YouTube and other socials. It's Nick the door. Perfect. And I am Alex Williams. You can find me at Humane Cities on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, with that, I guess uh, I guess that's it. I guess train good. Two wheels good. This show
0: is made possible by listeners like you. For more episodes, find us on your favorite Podcatcher or on YouTube at Radio Free Urbanism.